Hey, dealmakers, welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. And if you haven't done your first deal yet, then attend Dealmaker Bootcamp in end of January in Orlando. It's dealmakerbootcampevent.com because uh, you're going to experience what it's like to do your first deal. It's a simulated first deal, just shy of doing your first deal yourself. You're working in small groups. You're going to be learning from our senior mentors who are teaching this class. You're going to experience what it's like to do a deal from beginning to end. So it is definitely something you don't want to miss. We're the only ones that do that. It's really hard to do. We've done it a few times already. It's very impactful. So check it out, dealmakerbootcampevent.com. That's end of January in Orlando. I want to shout out to Annie Dickerson. She gave us a review on our book, The Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing Book. We just passed 1,000 reviews on Amazon. So that's pretty cool. She said, I've read a lot of real estate investing books and listened to a lot of podcasts. And I can honestly say that this is one of the most practical and easy to follow guides on how to transform your life and achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. Thank you, Annie, for that. Check it out if you have not read the book yet. It's Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. It's the exact title of this podcast, so it's pretty easy to remember. I also want to give a shout out to Michael Keller and Brock Mergist, who are uh, coaching students and were part of a very large deal in Daytona, Florida. It was 384 units, and they were part of this general partnership, and, and they raised $12.2 million. That is a monster deal. And again, it doesn't really matter if you're a senior operator, lead operator, or if you are a part of a general partnership, it, it doesn't matter because you're building equity and you're learning as you go along. So that is that is really, really cool. So with that, let's bring in our co-host, Garrett Lynch. What's going on, Garrett? Hey, Michael. So one of the things, if you study a lot of people who are successful in this business or really any business, it's it's it comes down to hustle, right? And the thing that comes to mind is putting in the reps, repetition. When you, If you're an athlete or anything like that, Practice, 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 practice makes perfect. Military, same thing. Practice, practice, practice. Sales. And, and one of the reasons I like the book from Hal Elrod called The Miracle Equation is he says, look, don't, don't put time limits on your goals, right? We're taught to put, you know, make them measurable and time bound and all that stuff. Because what happens if you don't achieve that goal in the time that you said you're going to do it? You're going to get discouraged and maybe give up. So instead, he says, commit to the activity that ultimately leads to the outcome that you desire. So this is an important thing to know for anything, and no matter what you're trying to do successful that you're trying to do, but why, Garrett, is that super important for multifamily investing? Yeah, so first off, Hale and I actually, I knew him way before he was anybody at all. And he actually was, was a mentor of mine in my our uh, previous company we worked for. We were selling knives basically door to door. And what we learned early on being in that business, which was a really tough business, is that you have to put in the reps in order to get the results. And, and so you're putting yourself in this uncomfortable position over and over and over again until you finally win. And you're learning things every time you fail. Every rep is another learning lesson. And it's, a, it's another way to get more comfortable doing the uncomfortable. And so if you commit to the results, you may not get them as soon as you think. And in which case you may quit. But if you just commit to the action over and over and over again, eventually the results will come. And that's really the way you need to go about it if you want to get anywhere. In this business, you know, after you get your setup and your education and you get comfortable with everything, you know, and your the adrenaline kind of wears off, it really comes down to two activities, which which is, you know, making offers and talking to investors. It gets a little, shall I say, boring, tedious. And you do it long enough and you question, my gosh, this system thing doesn't work, or maybe it just doesn't work for me. And this is where you have to push through and really 
will the reps count? Because if you commit to the activity long enough, the outcome will come. It just may not be on your time frame. That's a really, really important lesson as we kind of pivot to our guest today, which is Savannah Arroyo. She talks about some of these things. Now, you know, it talks about the number of brokers she had to call to get to the one broker that like literally did the first three deals with that one particular broker. And that's crazy. I mean, some people think they make a one or two or three offers and oh my gosh, they weren't accepted. This must not work. Well, one or two, three offers ain't going to cut it. And there's a lot more repetition that has to happen. And I, and I think you're really going to like Savannah's uh, story because, you know, she had no previous real estate experience, really no money. She's a registered nurse in LA. And she basically got started in, in this business. Her and her husband sat down and says, my gosh, I, I don't want to work till I'm 65 years old. I can't save myself for retirement. What else can we do? You know, and the thought process to real estate investing ultimately ended in multifamily syndication. But how did she get there? Because you really have to, you have to jump through a lot of mental hurdles to go from, you know, saving yourself to retirement to a multifamily syndication. And we kind of explore that in this, in this episode a little bit, because you may be facing those things, things right now. So let's get right into that and unpack her story here with Savannah Arroyo. So let's go get into interview. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Savannah, welcome to the show today. Hi, thank you. I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah, so we got a chance to hang out at DealMaker Live, and you guys were already on the right path at the time. This was back in the summer, but I just found out recently that you quit your job like three weeks ago uh, full time. Tell us a little bit about that. What was that like? Is that weird or was that like totally normal? Oh, no, I, I didn't expect it to happen so soon. Um, but even that it did happen, it was just such a freeing. I love my job. I'm a registered nurse. I've been working at the hospital for a long time, eight, nine years. But just that freeing feeling of having the choice now. I still work per diem, you know, when I want to kind of just keep my foot in the door and stay up on my nursing skills because I do love it. I went into the profession because I love it. But that that feeling of having the choice, that was what I was after. And that's what real estate gave me. You know, I don't know who who thought up the, the idea of retirement, like the idea of like not doing something productive anymore, like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And, you know, here, and you put it, you say financial freedom does not mean that you stop working. Okay. I mean, no one actually told me they want to do that. What it does give you is, is choices. And there's a good number of people who choose to either continue working or they have a business they're running or they reduce it to part-time. And that's kind of what you did because you actually enjoy the activity. Why is the choice so important to you? Talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, just, I mean, honestly, even the reason I got into real estate investing was I was on maternity leave with my second daughter and being at home and raising her and my other daughter and just knowing that, okay, my maternity leave was coming to an end. I had a couple of weeks left and I was like, wow, I have to go back to work. I have to get hand over my three month old daughter to someone else to take care of because I have to go back to work to get this paycheck. And that feeling of like, I didn't even have a choice type thing was so heavy that I immediately started researching other ways to start investing, to start creating passive income, to start creating wealth so that I could have the choice down the road. So it was a little bit precipitated by your, by your daughter and the idea of having to, number one, having to go to back to work and having to just hand someone else the keys to your, essentially your family. So it happened relatively, what did this happen and, and kind of what did you start doing towards that goal? Yeah, definitely. So the beginning of 2020 was when I had my second daughter and I was going back to work. And so my husband and I were just looking, you know, at our growing family. We had two young daughters under the age of two. We're like, 
what, what are we doing for our financial future? What, what do we want our life to look like? And we got super specific of, you know, we want to be really involved in their lives. We want to have the freedom to do that. And we both work Monday through Friday, eight to 5 PM jobs. We're like, how are we going to be able to take them to swim lessons and go on field trips? And how are we going to be able to be involved in that? And so we started looking at our finances and looking at what we were doing with our investing and retirement planning. And we were both putting away 15 to 20% of our paychecks towards retirement. And that was a big chunk of money coming out of our paychecks every month. We work at, you know, nice paying jobs here. And it just felt so discouraging and defeating to know we were putting that much money away every couple of weeks and we couldn't touch it until we were 59 and a half. It just felt so discouraging that, okay, this is what we're working and saving and saving for, but we can't touch it until we're 60. So we started looking for different ways that we could start investing to put money back into our pockets now. And that's when we stumbled upon real estate and we learned about all the different ways you can do it. Such a huge strategy in growing wealth and passive income. And then we got super specific of like, okay, five years, where are we waking up? What are we doing on a day-to-day? How much real estate do we own? How much money is that bringing into our bank account every month? How many properties do we need to get there to make that happen? And then we really kind of worked backwards of like, all right, is this where we want to be at five years? What do we need to be doing at three years? What do we need to be doing at one year? And then it kind of gave us this blueprint of like on a weekly basis, we need to be submitting this many offers. We need to be talking to this many investors. And it kind of really gave us a clear path of what we needed to do to achieve our goals. How did you know all that stuff? Like it's very specific deals, offers, investors. Like, I mean, how did you you come up with that game plan? So we had no real estate experience at the beginning of 2020. We didn't know anyone else doing it. We didn't have money saved up for investing. And so we started just diving in and educating ourselves. So we were binging podcasts. We were reading all sorts of books. We were networking and talking to investors. Um, We signed up for the coaching program, mentorship program. That was huge. And being able to give us the confidence to get started in the multifamily, but I mean, even yeah, bigger pockets, this podcast, we were listening to everything real estate and just diving into it. And the more we started learning and researching ourselves, we realized, wow, this is possible. We can do it. We can go out there and own apartment buildings. We can go out there and own real estate and generate passive income or additional income every month. Did you consider alternatives? So, I mean, a lot of people, it, you jump through several hoops, mental hoops. So most commonly, people that you know retire, obviously, they're, they're saving 15, 20% and they retire at 65, like, like you said. Then there's a, the FIRE method, right? They basically mm. save yourself to death, live on 10%, save it, live under a bridge, and then retire, you know, presumably before the age of 60. And then, of course, there's a the whole single family house investing strategy, right? And those are those are typically the most common ways to retire or become financially free. Did you consider any of those at one point? And if so, how seriously? Yeah, we did. So I mean, we got started investing in single family homes. So when we decided we wanted to do real estate, we're talking to people, researching, and we got on the phone with my lender. We were thinking about refinancing our house or well, we were thinking about maybe upgrading our lifestyle, right? We, were get, we had a bigger family, maybe we could get a bigger home. And so when I got on the phone with my lender about refinancing into a lower rate, he was like, do you know you have a, over $100,000 worth of equity in your home? And I'm like, no, you know, I have no real estate experience. I'm like, what is equity? What is that? What can you do with that? He was like, well, you're talking about real estate investing. You can pull this out and use it to invest in real estate. And that was a huge light bulb moment of like, 
oh, I can tap into this debt in my life and now use it to buy income producing assets. Like that was a huge shift of this is how people are doing it, leveraging debt. And it's funny that made us, it made us realize who we need to be talking to to about these kind of strategies. Because if I were to talk to my parents or maybe some friends or family, they'd be like, don't take out a second mortgage. What are you doing? Like, why are you creating more debt in your life? You're creating an additional payment. It doesn't make sense. But then when we started talking to people who are actually doing it and they're like, yeah, if you could take out a hundred thousand dollars at a three and a half percent interest rate, use it to invest in real estate. That's getting you 15 to 20%. It's a no brainer. And so for that, that was like, okay, we can go ahead and move down that route. We bought a couple single family homes, but then that was when we were like, okay, how do we scale? What, what's next? We want to build a business about this. We wanted to be active in it. And then that's when we moved into multifamily. There's, there's a lot of information out there. And you mentioned just another one. I even think about that. But you know, I love Dave Ramsey. His message is fantastic. It's, it, it, but the problem is, of course, he says debt is bad. But there's such a thing. And I was, my, my son went through this class and he comes back, dad, all debt is bad. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. But you have to remember who, who Dave's audience is. These are, these are people who are typically in credit card debt, not very sophisticated. And their biggest problem is, of course, debt. So the message for them is no debt. Debt, bad, right? But as you become a little bit more sophisticated, you realize there are multiple forms of debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt. But this is the reason I'm, I'm highlighting this is there's a lot of misinformation out there when you're watching TV or, like you said, talking to your friends or even your parents and you just get this misinformation. These are people that you trust, right, and, and love. And they're like, oh, my gosh, how do I reconcile this in my, in my brain? So mentally, what you're describing is you have to jump through a lot of mental hurdles to get to the conclusion that debt, there is such a thing as good debt. You can actually raise money from people and you can actually legally, you know, without begging. Uh, but but you're highlighting the fact that there's a lot, a lot of mental hurdles that people have to go through before they get to the conclusion you got to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's important. So you were educating yourself and in so doing, you started formulating uh, more of a strategy around multifamily. So what attracted you to that finally? Because you looked at a bunch of other stuff and what was that plan that you guys were starting to formulate when you said, oh my gosh, multifamily, you know, what was that in your mind, that five-year plan? Where did you see yourself going? With no real estate experience, it can feel very difficult to move into a space where you don't Feel like you belong, you know, the whole imposter syndrome. I, I'm a nurse, my husband's a benefits consultant. So we're like, okay, we're going to go out here and start a real estate business and raise money and do real estate deals. It was very foreign to us. And that was when we were like, okay, how can we do this? Who can we learn from? What, what kind of mentorship and coaching that do we need to get started and listening to other people that were doing it. So listening to podcasts and hearing stories of people that were out there making this work from them, for them from different walks of life, different skill sets. And that's when we realized, okay, yes, this is something we want to do. And we just love the business aspect of it. I've been in operations and healthcare. I got my master's degree in leadership and admin. So I've been heavily involved in healthcare operations and I love that aspect of it. You know, I love the team building. I love the communication. I love the problem. I love process improvement. So it felt natural in moving that skill set towards real estate. And now instead of using those skills to build someone else's business, you know, healthcare, because it is a pro- very profitable business that people are making a lot of money from. It was now going and using those skill sets to ne- build our own business and network with our own people. And even when our friends and family heard that we were doing real estate and we bought those first investment properties, they were reaching out to us like, 
Hey, what are you guys doing? Like, can I, can I invest with you or can you show us how type thing? And then that's when we realized, okay, syndications, they might work. And then we moved forward with going through the coaching mentorship and learning all about it and learning how to raise money. And as we've started doing that, it's evolved into me growing a brand. And so it's just been such a cool experience entering into a new territory and seeing the unlimited possibilities. And every time, you know, my husband and I will start talking about new ideas with our business and it's just like the sky is the limit. And that that's what I think I love the most about this. So Savannah, you guys are, you're doing, you, you both work jobs. You both are, are working full time. How did you find the time to go about and, and educate yourself like this and, and dive in so much with, you know, working the amount of hours that you're working? Yeah, it was very crazy and difficult at first. This was the beginning of the pandemic. um, So that was taking off. I'm in healthcare leadership. So every day I was implementing new protocols, new new workflows for my staff. I didn't even know what going into work was going to be like every day. But honestly, that was such a motivating factor of being like, all right, this is why we need to make it work. And I mean, parents and moms are some of the best ultimate task performers, just time management that it takes to be a parent and juggle so many different responsibilities at once. That's something that my husband and I are really good about tag teaming. So it was when our daughters went to bed, it was hopping on our computers and looking at real estate deals. We were practicing underwriting. We were talking and going to meetups and figuring out how to raise money and researching and educating ourselves and building presentation portfolios and all that kind of stuff. And we were really doing it. I mean, from 8 p.m. until midnight, almost every day for a solid year, year and a half. And then that's when it was kind of to the point where I realized, okay, this really isn't, this workload isn't really sustainable. I was, I've been working, you know, pretty much two full-time jobs for a year and a half. And so then that was when luckily all the hard work from what we've been doing has paid off in the real estate investments and they've been replacing my income slowly. And so it allowed me now the flexibility of like, all right, now I'm going to work on this full time. But for the last year and a half, two years, it was some grinding, some hustling, some sacrificing, time management, but all so much worth it. And we had such a strong why that it was our reasoning at the end of the day of like, all right, we just need to keep doing it, keep grinding, and we'll get to where we want to go. Well, you had a strong why, but the other thing also is that you're doing this together with your, with your husband. And so yeah. now you have an accountability partner built in. You're on the same page, and that makes that why even more powerful. And that's my observation is uh, spouses that do this together. And it doesn't mean that both have to be in the business per se themselves, but they have to be on the same page. And then you talked about the time aspect of it, and it's, it's you know, we're all given the same 24 hours a day, no matter who you who you are. It's just a matter of priorities, right? Well, what, do you, what is important to you? It just seemed like it was important to you guys to make progress towards that, towards your five-year goal, and then you made the time for it. So, so it's not so much a time management issue per se, it's more of a priority issue. But the other thing that I, I hear a lot is I need millions of dollars to buy these million-dollar-plus apartment buildings. And so the idea... Uh, of, of not having money and getting into something that requires a lot of money is very foreign to a lot of people. How did you guys overcome that that line of thinking? Because you got, didn't grow up with a bunch of syndicators around you going, hey, you know, you can use OPM, right? Mm-hmm. So how were you able to reconcile? What was that look like in your mind, the, those limiting beliefs you might have had early on? Remember the conversations you had with Lupe maybe earlier on? And what what did that sound like in your head? And then how did you overcome that? 
Yeah, that was honestly probably the scariest part about moving into syndications was having the responsibility now of using other people's money to invest in these deals and handling hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars of other people's money. And that was very, that was a very scary concept. And I honestly didn't like the responsibility of that as we were getting into it. But then when we started reflecting back on everything that we've built in our own lives and the responsibility that we've had at the companies we've worked with, it just was like, we're kind of already doing this, you know, like we have huge, strong leadership roles in the companies that we're working for and huge trust placed in us to manage it. And we felt like, yeah, we can do it. And yes, there's risk involved through research and underwriting. You can eliminate or mitigate a lot of that risk. And it doesn't really become as risky as other investment opportunities out there. And once you start realizing that and comparing it and diving into especially the underwriting and learning about how this works and learning about what other syndicators and operators are doing with these deals. And it's like, okay, yeah, I can do this. And it's not like it, it mitigates that risk in a way of like, wow, now I get to provide these people that I love, you know, my family, other nurses that I'm working with. Now I get to provide them this huge investment opportunity that they've never heard of. You know, a lot of my investors are coming to me, have never heard of syndications. I get to educate them on that and now give them way better returns than they're getting on their money that's placed in the stock market or their retirement account. So it's been such an amazing opportunity to do that for people that we love. Savannah, so speaking of you know education and, and like the vocabulary and all that, you know, when you when you go, there is, you know, some people, other people looking to buy deals, and they're typically you find them through brokers. How did you get in with the brokers and get them to take you seriously in the beginning as you're going through this process? Yeah, so that's definitely one of the hardest parts. And uh, my husband and I really just kind of started tag teaming the, those calls. And so we'd be reaching out to brokers and a lot of them would ask us our experience. And once we told them, they really wouldn't give us the time of day. And we probably talked to about 50 different brokers, um, before we found one that took us seriously. And it was honestly kind of by chance. It was this Marcus and Millichap offering that we found and we reached out to the broker and he was a super young guy, super hungry, motivated, new in the space. And so I don't think he knew to ask us our experience. So it kind of worked out, right? We're like the new people and the new guys. And he started sending us amazing deals and we were on it. And we closed that first deal with them. We ended up closing three deals with him within a nine month period. And it was after that first deal where we were like, oh yes, that, you know, that was our first syndication deal. And he was like, really? Like, I had no idea that was your guys' first deal. And he never thought to ask. And then after that, we've created such a great relationship with him. But what really helped, I think, is being specific on what we were looking for. So when we were talking to him and looking up in Oregon, we were, hey, we're looking for... 12 to 30 units, one to $3 million value add in these sub markets. When you have specific criteria, I think they think, oh, okay, they know what they're doing. They, they're no, they know what they're looking for. By the time I send them a deal, they're going to be able to jump on it right away because I'm giving them exactly what they're asking for. So because we were super specific on the criteria, he started sending us deals. And then our goal was to get back to brokers within 48 hours. So we would let them know either 
hey, this isn't working for our numbers. Like this isn't going to work with our investors. Like something's as simple as that. Like can't say, wait to see what, what else do you got? What do you, what else did you have in your pipeline? Um, just giving them that feedback, even if you don't like the deal is so crucial to creating that relationship because they're sending deals to, they have huge long lists of investors or people that are looking for specific deals that they're sending them to. And I'm, I would say probably the majority of them aren't even getting back to them or responding to them. And there's a lot of tire kickers. And especially if you're new, you know, you'd have the being maybe a little scared to, to jump into your first deal. So being specific and then giving them that feedback, those two things allowed us to create great relationships with brokers. Yeah. So the other thing that may have helped is you talked to a lot of other brokers. So by the time you talked to this guy, you were probably delivering your script with a, with a much higher degree of confidence. So he never bothered to ask you because you sounded so daggone experienced. Uh, plus the fact that he was probably inexperienced himself. But this is pretty amazing. So let's talk about your your first deal. So you said you actually got your the next the first three deals through this one broker. Let's talk about your first deal. Just give us every information about this first deal and how you found it. You know, you visited. You got tell us more about this deal. Yeah, so the first deal was a 12 unit up in Oregon, $1 million price point. We got in at um, 75% loan to value. So we raised about $350,000 for that deal for the down payment and then some value add maintenance and repairs that we had. We raised from our friends and family for that first deal. And again, exactly like you were saying, going out and practicing those kind of speeches as you will, but saying them over and over and then kind of getting that practice of doing this is, is a big first step. Um, so that was our first deal and we closed on that. We went, ended up financing through a local credit union up there and closed on that one, November, 2020. So that's pretty cool. How'd you raise a 350 going from zero to 350? But was that easy or did that, uh, was that a struggle or that was up? a struggle. Even raising up until our third deal, I was telling my husband, like, at what point does this get easier? Because this is painful. But it's a lot of front work that goes into it, lots of conversations that you have to have with people. So for that first deal, we were sending it out to friends and family, like our, our first small network of people um, and people who, you know, were like, all right, this is your first time doing this type thing. And we really leveraged yes, that's true, but we're going through this coaching program that's helping us do that. And I think really, um, you know, the two single family homes that we had bought up till that, like gave us some sort of weight, even though they were just really turnkey properties that we didn't really do anything with. They were fairly easy to get into, but having that experience helped a little bit. And then people, I mean, friends and family, now you're showcasing your skills as a person and how they know you in your lives. So they're looking at how my husband and I, Lupe, how we are as parents, you know, who we are as people, like how we've exceeded in our careers. Um, so leveraging that, then they see, okay, you know, they've done all this in their life. They can go out and do these real estate deals. So I think that trust was key and really helpful that we raised from friends and family for that first one. Um, and then we invested heavily in that first deal as well, we were able to tap into our retirement accounts under the CARES Act, which was super helpful um, to get us into that first deal. Savannah, so at a certain point along this journey, you decided to get some help from the coaches here. And what led you to that decision and how instrumental was it to your success? So really what led us to that, I think, was 
we, we were sold on multifamily. We wanted to be doing multifamily. We saw the huge, huge potential in creating a business around this, but going from single family homes into multifamily and the biggest curve with that was now raising other people's money and the legalities of having these securities. So those were two things that we took very seriously and we knew we'd be raising friends and family money. Like we weren't, there was no way where we we're going to lose anyone's money. So we wanted to do everything in our power to prevent that from happening. And we felt that I think most people sign up for coaching programs for two reasons, right? They want the accountability and then they want that, that confidence, that expertise that's looking over your shoulder. My husband and I, we didn't need the accountability. We were putting in the act. We were action takers. We we're hustlers. We didn't really need it for that, but we wanted the confidence and expertise that comes with dealing with very experienced investors. And that was worth it for us to invest in something like that, knowing that, okay, by the time we found a good deal, if our coach is telling us, yeah, it's a good deal, like go for it. We didn't think twice about it. And that gave us, I think the momentum to really get into that first deal a lot quicker than we would have had if we didn't invest in a coaching program. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, mentor is exactly right. It's accountability, looking over shoulder. You also mentioned uh, preventing some of, the, some of the bigger mistakes, not losing money. And the other one I've heard is simply accelerating the outcome. Just people who, when mentors in general, just just accelerate their their goals a lot faster. And and interestingly, you didn't just do one deal. You've done a few. Talk about the law of the first deal. Did it have any impact to you as well? Or what happened after that first deal? Yeah, definitely. I mean, exactly like you said, the law of the first deal, and we did it with that same broker after he saw us close on it, saw our professionalism, our communication, just how we handled it. He was immediately sending us deals and we got those second and third deals kind of at the same time. And so we were almost capital raising for both of them. So it was a lot of work, especially because they were all strong value add deals. But um, after we did that third one, we took like a six month break. But once you have those teams built up and you have the systems and you already have your investors warmed up and those conversations going, it's really that momentum that does push you into those further deals a lot quicker because you already got the ball rolling. How did you scale from, from there? Talk a little bit about the second and third deals. Yeah. So um, after we did that first deal, the capital raising piece, we didn't necessarily like that. So we were thinking, all right, how can we partner moving forward with other people as capital raisers and, and move forward to do further deals? And then as we started having those conversations and researching it, we were like, all right, if we want to go out there and do this as a business, we're going to have to have some sort of brand, regardless of my husband and I wanting to be out in the spotlight and having our face out there and our name associated with our business. We didn't necessarily like that, but we were like, okay, it's 2021. Like we're going to have to build a brand. And so that was when we started looking into ways to do it the most genuine way possible. And so for me, it was launching my brand network nurse. And now it's allowed me, I've just created educational resources for nurses. Um, I have a YouTube channel, all, all the social media accounts, I'm doing blogs and just educating healthcare professionals, nurses, and people about this strategy in real estate and syndications as a whole and what return metrics look like. Because the, the hardest part from moving, I think, to those consequent deals is the capital raising piece. If you don't have a network of people to invest, that's that's a hard hurdle to jump over. And so for us, it was 
very instrumental to now create this brand and this platform. And so um, that's what I started doing with Net Worth Nurse, just kind of started sharing everything I was doing in real estate, our deals, um, what we have going on and doing that through social media in the most genuine way possible as a nurse. And then it took that, that piece away of feeling like salesy. Now I'm going out and providing nurses with this amazing opportunity instead of chasing people down for money to invest in our deals. It's, it's definitely a way different. That's a lot more natural. So did you end up partnering with anybody after, after that first deal? Um, so we brought on a couple, we partnered with people who were maybe kind of struggling to do their first deal. And when we, so because we were financing through a credit union, we needed guarantors on the loan. And so we strategically partnered with people who were wanting to get into the multifamily space, were having trouble getting into it. And we brought them on into our deals. If they signed on the loan, we gave them a piece of the GP to do that, which is such an amazing part of multifamily in these deals. There's so many different ways to them strategically so that everyone is a winner, you know, partnering with limited partners who want to invest passively, not do any work. We want to do the work and we are raising other people's money. So when you start learning about all the different ways that you can kind of partner with people to get these deals done, uh, yeah, that's definitely something that we were doing moving forward. What is your strategy moving forward? Are you guys going to, what are you going to, what are you doing to scale right now? You're, you're talking about building your brand and you're doing that to raise more capital. What about deal flow and raising capital? Are you going to partner more? Are you bringing on people? Talk about your strategy moving forward. Yeah. So that first deal, uh, Lupe and I, my husband, we went through every step of the process together. We were on every phone call with the lawyer together, with the property managers, with investors, every piece together. And then after we did that first deal, we split up the business. So now Lupe handles acquisitions, asset management. And then I moved over into capital raising, investor relations, and marketing. And so um, now we very much have split up the business so that we're working on things together, but very separately. So Lupe is going out. He is finding deals, uh, whether that's through partnerships or um, kind of doing them on our own, just because we've been able to do every step of the process together as a couple and oversee all aspects of the deal. Uh, we enjoy doing that together. Uh, so we really kind of plan to do these mid-level deals and kind of raise all the capital ourselves, manage it ourselves, but we're always open to partnerships. I mean, we've met so many amazing people in this space that have allowed us to kind of brainstorm different opportunities that are out there. But um, so yeah, Lupe is constantly underwriting deals. We have offers out right now on apartment complexes and through starting my brand net worth nurse, I realized there was a huge gap in basic financial resources for nurses, like basic getting out of debt, paying off credit card, that sort of stuff. So right now I'm really working on kind of building some courses and stuff really geared towards nursing, nursing with basic investing principles and stuff, because I feel for these nurses who have worked hard, killing themselves throughout the pandemic, and they don't even know how to invest or create passive income in their life. So I've become super, super passionate about that. So I'm um, working on that, but also capital raising at the same time. I love the investor relations piece of it. We have an investor portal that I'm constantly putting out information to our investors, giving those disbursements and sending those out was so fun. Um, just getting the feedback from it. And we've just started archiving some testimonials from our investors to put on our website. And it's just been so rewarding to see what people have said. So continuing to grow. Savannah, how did you find out who was going to be doing what inside of your partnership? 
That was difficult. So we went through that first one together, trying to feel out, okay, what did we like? Um, initially, I, I love operations. So I thought I would do some of the asset management. I, I thought I'd really enjoy that initially until we got that first deal under contract. And we had to start dealing with contractors who were doing a heavy value add to one of our apartment complexes. And I could, I could not handle those conversations. I have very minimal patience for stuff like that. And I just felt that I wasn't handling those well. And so I gladly handed that over to my husband. And so he really was doing well with the asset management. He's very patient. He has great communication skills. So he really handles that piece of the business. Um, the underwriting, I love looking at the numbers. I don't necessarily like manipulating the formulas. He loves doing that, but I still know exactly what's going on in our deals with that. And my husband does not like being the spotlight for anything. He does not like being out there um, necessarily talking to investors, doing that piece of things. So he gladly handed that over to me. And so now I've kind of become the face of the business through Net Worth Nurse. Um, and that's kind of how we've flooded up based on, I guess, our skill set and what we've liked, but it's it's constantly evolving. I mean, even now as we're growing our business, there's new tasks that we're finding of like, okay, do you want to tackle this? Should I tackle this? Um, and just kind of dividing it that way. That's awesome. So as we wrap up things here, what is your final advice to someone listening, watching this right now, you know, and they're in their job and they're, you know, maybe even work from home because of because of whatever COVID, but still, hey, I can't see myself working here until I'm age 60. What is your advice? How, what is that kind of the maybe the next three things they can do? I would say to reach out to someone who's doing what you want to be doing. If you see someone on social media that's investing in real estate, they're doing apartment deals, and that's what you want to do, reach out to them, ask them how they got started. See if you can hop on a Zoom call with them. I do that with nurses all the time. Um, even if it's uh, short-term rentals or flipping or any other real estate strategy, if you see someone who's at a place where you want to be, I would encourage you to reach out to them, add value to them. I've had people do that to me and I've brought them on as partners and stuff I'm working on. So huge value in that. I would say research, do education, listen to podcasts. If you're new to real estate investing and like the terms and lingo are blowing your mind and you don't know what all these acronyms mean. I, I host a weekly meetup for nurses and wanting to get into real estate. And last night I had one on like financing and stuff. They were talking about Fannie Freddie loans. And I had a nurse reach out to me like, is this a beginner's thing? Cause I don't even know what you guys are talking about. And I'm like, stay the course, like stay in these meetups, listen to it. And you will start learning the language. It's a second language, but you have to keep reading it. You have to keep listening to it, dive into the community piece and talk to other people. And that, and then those terms will kind of start making sense. So um, those are, I think, two of the biggest things to push forward. Savannah, how can people reach you? Uh, Network nurse. Networth Nurse. So you can find me under the Networth Nurse on all social media handles. So that's Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. My website's networthnurse.co. I love talking real estate with people. If you're remotely interested in anything I'm saying, please reach out to me. I would love to connect. That's fantastic. Savannah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. So she talked about the the hustle that she had to do in talking to those those brokers, and it reminds me of a strategy that that we we teach sometimes that that may help here. 
is this idea of a throwaway market. Okay, so the idea of the throwaway market is that you you're actually calling on brokers that are not in your target market. For example, uh, a lot of good throwaway markets are markets in your back in your backyard. And a lot of us in the country live in a place where well you can't get at the cash flow, but you know why not look at properties in that area? It allows you to kind of practice, get those reps in there. And by visiting properties, it expands your comfort zone. So it's a really, really good way to gain practice. And you know, back to our initial point, Garrett, is you do need a certain amount of reps. Whatever you're talking to brokers, talking to investors, analyzing deals, there's a lot of reps involved. You know, the the reps that they put in in the beginning, I'm sure, is what led them to the, to their success. But what's what's interesting is you know they practiced enough that they figured out that they needed two things to make them successful. And that's being very specific about what they wanted. And then the other was getting back to the broker within 48 hours. I actually really resonate with that uh, because even on the highest level, and that's true. And, and so they were, you know, they put in those reps, the throwaway market's a really interesting idea because you can go and, and, you know, practice somewhere else and get good at those things to figure out what version of that and what that looks like for you specifically. The other thing I really liked that Savannah mentioned was, how they were able to kind of plan their future in advance. So they got really specific about what results they wanted, and then they backed into the how. Well, that's exactly right. And they, But they only did it after getting a certain amount of education because without it, they wouldn't have known about multifamily syndications. I mean, how can you, uh, how can you say, oh, we're going to have 150 units valued at X million dollars, so it produces Y amount of cash flow? Like, you couldn't do that unless you had some tools in your toolbox, which is what you did. And, you know, and this is the, the, the thing is, it's good to listen to podcasts and, and read the books. But at one point, once you know that this is the right strategy for you and your family, you have to invest in your education. Now, in, in, in the case of Savannah's situation, they invested in our mentoring program, which if you are able to afford it is the best investment you can make. Sometimes people ask me, I have a certain amount of money. Should I invest it in education or should I invest it in, in, in the actual real estate itself? And the answer is always in education, because that always has a much, much higher ROI than any investment you can make in any property. So if you have the ability to, to afford mentoring, then do that. There's lots of programs out there. Uh, we have a really, really good one. We feature a lot of people on our first dealmaker page and we shout them out in the podcast. So if that's you, Check out our mentoring program at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor and just schedule a call with us to see if mentoring is right for you. And if you can't afford mentoring, uh, that's fine. Figure out another way to uh, educate yourself. We have the Dealmaker Certification. If you go to our website and you look on products, you'll find Dealmaker Certification. It's an online course that teaches you every aspect of it. But education is certainly is certainly one way to get started early on, but it's not the only thing you can do. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I thought was so interesting is that she went through all of these books, podcasts, she dove in, and she still moved into the mentorship. And you're thinking, huh, why? If you got all this education, and it's because it's those few big barriers that you're going to run into, you need someone that's done it before to be like, hey, go, go forward, or don't, or whatever that is. And you know, I have zero tie to, to financial tie to the mentorship at all, but I truly, truly believe that this is one hack that people can can use to get into their first deal fast enough. And and it'll that one deal will pay for the investment in the beginning. And so I, I love the fact that she went into that. And I, I, you know, you can just tell that that's what really put her over the edge. Um, so super exciting. And if I had to do it over and I knew that this existed, I could have cut down years off my 
uh, bumping into things and, and uh, making mistakes. Yeah, I mean, experimentation is great, but is it really the fastest way to success? And and sometimes the answer is no. But the other thing she did early on is she kind of left the house, right? Virtually on Zoom calls, reaching out to people. I love that. So it's really building a network around you. You're, you're building out a, a network of peers. It's kind of the mastermind model. Garrett, you and I are both in a different mastermind where you're surrounding yourselves by peers and it's not one person training everybody. It's not like that's the guru model. It's like other peers. But then you also have advisors. You know, we also have advisors who are at a much higher level than we are. And, and that's more of a, a, just a different relationship. That's an advisory relationship. So you got to build out. And then there's partners. There's like really three people you're looking for. You're looking for peer support, advisor support, and then partner support. And uh, we didn't talk about it in the show, but I, I know from talking to Savannah that she actually partnered with uh, several partners to raise some of that money that she talked about. And she only, you know, the only reason she knew those people was of the network that she had built partly through the mentoring program, but also just being proactive. So networking is super important. We do it all the time and we highly encourage other people to do it as well. So hopefully you guys were inspired by Savannah's story. I, I, I was because, you know, this is here's someone starting off from essentially ground zero. You know, no particular entrepreneur background, no particular real estate background, you know, not a million dollars in the bank. And, and here she is quitting her job. And that is so super powerful. So hope, hopefully you guys found that inspiring. Check out our book, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing, same titles as podcast. I think it's a great next step. And uh, hopefully you'll join us on the dealmaker journey. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by downloading the free blueprint on closing your first multifamily deal. Head over to themichaelblanc.com slash blueprint to get the free training.